Thank you for pressing the play button on another episode of the Choose to Think podcast. Quick questions. Have you visited my website lately? There's a ton of resources there that you might find really helpful in your mission to choose to think. Just click the freebies tab to download resources to help you take toxic thoughts captive. I'll walk you through the process that has really worked for me step by step please visit www.startwithagratefulheart.weebly.com for more information. Question number two, have you subscribed to this podcast? It only takes a second to do so, just one easy click. If you really want to show support, please rate and write a review. The C2T podcast has now been heard in eight countries. I'm so blessed and jazzed about that. So thank you, thank you, thank you to those who are sharing the link to my show. I truly appreciate your support. And if you want to go a step further, please consider supporting the podcast by clicking the listener support tab. Let's keep the good news rolling along. I'm Victoria Walker, a 21st century Christian woman trying to do life God's way. Come with me to put the feet on your faith. Today, we're going to choose to think. Stay tuned. Did you know the Faith-Filled Choose to Think When Your Soul is Hungry digital course will be launching in several weeks? We've all seen the hilarious memes and heard the jokes about how much weight we're gaining during the COVID-19 stay-at-home season, but frankly, to some folks, this really isn't funny. They've recognized that they're going to food more than ever before. Well, this class is for you if you're really sick and tired of being a slave to food, if you're discouraged by how you use food to find comfort, or when you're bored. If you're fed up, finally, with the toxic thinking related to food hangups that are really starting to get you down, maybe you wrestle with yo-yo dieting and you've tried every new diet fad that hits the market but with little to no lasting success. Perhaps you struggle with a poor body image and negative self-talk, constantly comparing yourself to others. Maybe you simply want to jumpstart a healthier lifestyle overall. Well, here's the promise. In this course, you'll take one giant step forward in your quest toward optimal health and freedom from unhealthy eating patterns and food-related behavior of any type that keeps you feeling defeated or discouraged. You'll walk away with increased confidence and clarified identity as a child of God. You'll put into action the tools you acquire to combat toxic thinking related to root causes, wounds, and harmful emotions. Each day, you'll execute new habits and healthy thought patterns that get you headed in the right direction. Think of this course as a boot camp for your brain, a jump start to a healthier emotional, spiritual, and physical you. It's a kickstart method to help you pivot and find freedom once and for all. So what's in it? Okay, students will learn and apply the TGIF method for overcoming unhealthy eating habits and hangups and find out how to find lasting comfort using truth leads to pave the way. There are 10 in-depth video lessons to inspire and engage students. Each course segment offers downloadable faith-based lessons and exercises to track your progress and additional resources and PDF downloadables to keep you on track are also included. Students receive an invitation to join Brain Changers, a private Facebook group to find encouragement, submit prayer requests, and to share struggles and wins. Plus, optional live group mentoring sessions are available with me along the way if you choose. Now the fine print. This is a great, incredible really, faith-based course to do with a sister, a friend, or a small group. It is entirely self-paced. The recommended time allotment is about 12 weeks. There's really nothing like it on the market. Why? First, it's faith-based. 
and because this is not a diet program in any way. This is not a medical program in any form. We count nothing in this class, not carbs, not calories, not steps, nada. What you can plan to lose, however, are those thoughts and mindsets that are sabotaging your health and your well-being. What you'll find is freedom once and for all. You know, one student was motivated to join the class after struggling with yo-yo dieting for years. And here's what what she said. She said, I will do great for several months, but once I start eating sweets, I really do find it hard to stop. The most common emotion for me overeating is stress. I'm naturally a stressful person, even though I'm constantly trying, talking to myself and saying not to be stressed. I know this is a big contributor. I put a lot of pressure on myself to be there for everyone, helping them sometimes beyond my physical or emotional limits. And what I, when I don't help, I feel guilty. Well, end quote. If you'd like to sign up for a pre-launch discount, just hop over to my website or click on the link on the show notes. Pray about this. Email me with questions you may have. And now back to the show. Let me tell you a story about my darling two-year-old granddaughter, Demelza. Recently, Demelza, Rico the Morky, my five-pound start-with-a-grateful-heart blog mascot, who is a Maltese-Yorkie mix, and I were meandering around our beautiful Midway, Kentucky. We had been to the post office, the school playground, and we were making our way to the trails at Walter Bradley Park. It was a beautiful, sunny, and crisp spring day. Rico was tethered, and I had Demelza in the stroller. When we got to the narrow gravel trails in the open field of the park, Demelza wanted to jump out of the stroller to push it all by herself like most two-year-olds like to do. So of course I let her. She's a tiny little thing and that umbrella stroller gave her fits and just bounced all over the place. She struggled to keep it on the gravel path and instead found herself pushing it over the grass instead. But eventually, even there, she would get stuck. She would push and push, and then finally she'd stop and look back to me as I stood behind her a bit, and she would just smile at me. This was her way of saying, Nana, I need your help. So I would pull the stroller back onto the gravel path that was a bit smoother anyway, and she would go at it again. Sometimes I could see that she was about to get off and I would try to redirect her, but she would express her dismay because she really wanted to do it herself. So she would roll off the path for a couple of feet and then turn around and grin at me again. And we must have done this about 10 times until she kind of got tired, I guess, and decided she would take a seat back in the stroller. You know, I had been studying Psalm 37 for weeks, praying and asking the Lord for a story that would illustrate a message that He might be conveying to me to share with you, His children, from this psalm. Having children and even grandchildren offers us parents a unique opportunity to better understand the very heart of our Heavenly Father. We are His children. We know how very much we love our own children, and this paints a great picture of just how much God loves us. As Christians, we long to be commended to the Lord, to trust Him, and indeed to delight in Him. Yet sometimes we veer off the path. We want to do things our way. We want to check out what looks like greener grass on the other side. We become self-focused and independent. Indeed, our world may teach us these things and encourage us to take action out of our own self-interests. Every generation probably can be categorized as the me generation to some extent, wouldn't you say? 
well, none of this catches God by surprise. As I understand it, as children of God, we are admonished to listen to him, follow him, and allow him to guide us when we take a wrong turn or two and we're bound to. But the path we walk with him may be bumpy, rocky, unclear, and feel uncertain or unstable. But over time, we learn that with God beside us, behind us, in front of us, we have nothing to fear. We keep our eyes on him, sticking close to him as his love surrounds us and protects us. Psalm 37, a beautiful poem, was written by David toward the end of his life in acrostic fashion, which made it much easier to memorize and recite. As an acrostic, every other line or stanza begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which has 22 letters. Think of the mnemonic device Roy G. Biv for the colors of the rainbow, for example, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. In an article entitled Hebrew Alphabetic Acrostics, the scholar Van der Spew wrote that acrostic writing, quote, is a skillful and attractive way of showing that God covers everything from A to Z or Aleph to Tav. It shows both the poet's love for the Hebrew language and his poetic skills, end quote. Van der Spew quoted a Jewish rabbi, Yalkut Shimoni, in his explanation how David used the alphabet here, quote, to indicate that man's faith is not only emotional, but also rational. True faith is to move on the path of intellect, intellectual search, and foundational knowledge of God's almighty being. He explains the use of the alphabet as follows. The letter Aleph literally means to study and shows the priority in the life of the Jews. Bet means understanding. Gimel means path. Dalit means door or gate. Hey is the number five, pointing to the first five books as the foundation of their lives. This pattern has inherent meaning to the Hebrew reader. To study gives understanding, showing the path that leads to the door of everlasting life, the five books of Moses being the foundation. The last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Tav, means truth. It indicates what the final goal of every action of the reader of the Torah should be. End quote. That's fascinating to me. As I studied the psalm, I took a sheet of paper and I drew a line down the middle of the page. On the right, I wrote the word righteous, and on the left, I wrote the word wicked. As I read this psalm, I noted that there were two individual prototypes that were repeatedly highlighted. And this gives the impression that in life, we basically have two choices, the right one or the wrong one. Good choice, good consequence bad choice, bad consequence. This isn't brain science or rocket science, I should say. If we choose properly according to God's direction, we, as well as our descendants, are blessed. If, on the other hand, we choose poorly, we will reap the not-so-fun consequences of our decisions. We may even find ourselves way off the path that God intends for us to take. Now, we can learn, and of course we should, but eventually we may get stuck and find ourselves in need of a Savior. In my lists, I recorded the imperatives or the characteristics that David wrote about, for example, to describe the righteous. So in this column, I wrote things like trust in the Lord, dwell in the land, cultivate faithfulness, do good, do not fret, delight yourself in the Lord, commit your way to him, rest in the Lord, cease from anger, depart from evil, speak justice, wait for the Lord, keep his ways, mark the blameless man, etc. 
Under my wicked column, I wrote a few characteristics of those who choose an insecure path. They and their descendants are cut off. They plot against the righteous. They draw their swords but fall on them. Their bows break. Their arms are broken. They vanish like smoke. They borrow but do not pay back. They and their posterity are destroyed. Hmm. I think I'd rather find myself in the righteous camp. How about you? Before we get to the practical application, let's take a break from our sponsors. So I asked myself in my studies, what does all this mean? Well, we can go back to my story about Demelza. Would you say that as a child, she trusted me, her Nana? Yes. Hers is the sweet trust and faith of a child. Would you say that she committed her way to the path I was encouraging her to follow? Yes, she was doing her very best to keep those stroller wheels on the path before us and to avoid the weeds and the higher grass found off the path. Her job of pushing the stroller was a bit difficult for her small frame, especially at the angle she was attempting to leverage her weight and strength against the handles. Would you say she delighted in me, her Nana? Yes, every single time she pushed until she couldn't anymore. She glanced to me with that sweet smile and and her humble eyes. She knew she needed help and she She knew exactly where to find it. So for you and for me, I'm asking these questions. Do you trust God? Have you committed your way to Him? Do you delight in Him? Oh, I know that your road is really bumpy and broken. I know you're exhausted and weary from the load you're carrying. I know you may feel frustrated and that you may want to give up. And maybe that is the best thing you could do. Just take a look at where you are. If you've wandered off the path, humble yourself and you will find God's voice. You'll hear it. You'll find his love, his hand there to guide you back where he would have you be. The place that offers you protection and refuge and blessings. Jesus tells us that his yoke is easy and his burden light. Maybe you've been trying to carry your burden all by yourself and you are positively bowed down by the weight of life. Maybe your faith meter is a bit on the fritz. Maybe you've never considered what it really means to delight yourself in the Lord. Oh, you know a gazillion worldly delights all right, like those scrumptious Turkish delights from C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Well, you've tasted of those and so have I. But do you know what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good? So please take courage. You're not alone in this journey. Let's, you and I both, choose to think. Pause for just a moment and think about what Jesus' death and resurrection actually mean. Let this melt your heart with gratitude. Remember to focus on God's faithfulness, not your own faith. And discover today what it means to delight in the Lord and take pleasure in Him and the peace that He offers. Finally, you will hear the phrase, how the righteous will inherit the land or the earth. It's repeated six times in this psalm. We can fast forward many years to the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus proclaimed, the meek will inherit the earth from Matthew 5.5. I use the Blue Letter Bible a lot in my research into scripture. Let me read you this quote about Matthew 5.5 from the Blue Letter Bible. I think it offers an incredible echo of Psalm 37. Quote, Meekness toward God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good. 
and therefore without disputing or resisting. In the Old Testament, the meek are those wholly relying on God rather than their own strength to defend against injustice. Thus, meekness toward evil people means knowing God is permitting the injuries they inflict, that He is using them to purify His elect, and that He will deliver His elect in His time. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite to self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, not of the human will. End quote. Now, let's listen to the beautiful words of the psalm. Take note if you find yourself challenged by any of the admonitions that David proclaims. Psalm 37, a psalm of David in a SB version. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land, and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plots against the righteous, and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy, to slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter their own heart, and their bows will be broken. Better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil, and in the days of famine they will have abundance. But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish, like smoke they vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he will not be hurled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his descendants begging bread. All day long he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are a blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so you will abide forever, for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. 
The wicked spies upon the righteous and seeks to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand or let him be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked, violent man spreading himself like a luxuriant tree in its native soil. Then he passed away, and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, and behold the upright, for the man of peace will have will have a posterity, but transgressors will be altogether destroyed. The posterity of the wicked will be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them, because they take refuge in Him. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, help us to commit our way to you, to stay on the path you have in mind for us, and to remember your faithfulness along the way, and to delight in you. Teach us what it means to be humble and meek as Jesus so graciously illustrated in his life, even unto his death on our behalf when we made choices that were sinful or wicked. Help us to know the great privilege we have to be called your children. We know that you have us, our lives, our futures absolutely covered from A to Z, and we've nothing to fear. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it for today, Brain Changers. I hope you've learned a little and are left feeling inspired in your journey. If so, please share the link to my show. A big high five for tuning in today. I couldn't thank you enough. And until next week, remember, choose to think about what you're thinking about. Dios primero y que Dios te bendiga. Ciao.